to stretch it a little bit because uh, the family is the basic unit of a community and a nation. How can we uh, stretch all the concepts you have been throwing around uh, around the issue of a community and a nation? Personally, I don't see the church in the four walls of the church now. I see the church in the community and as part of the nation. If you can uh, uh, just express yourself uh, around that area. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. I think the, the design for God's church is shadowed for us in the Old Testament. And um, we have to study the nation of Israel and its formation to fully appreciate how the church of Jesus Christ should be constructed in the New Testament. And we all know the story that God chose Abraham and his name was Abram. And Abram means father, noble father. And Abraham means father of multitudes. So God, the predominant grace was expressed through his name. God will use a fathering grace to raise a nation. And we know the process that God did it transgenerationally through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 sons. Each son then became a father of his own flow. And each tribe was subdivided into clans until you get to the micro unit, which is the family, as a single unit. And when you bring uh, no one tribe was the family, it took 12 tribes to make God's family. And the family was then called the nation, um, through which God will communicate his purposes. That's in the order of the Old Testament. And I believe that God has set that foundation in the new Christ, uh, you know, raises 12 apostles. Um, and these 12 carry the grace that is distributed to the families of God in the earth. And I think the mantle of the representation, the principle of 12 there is telling us of how God builds a family. So the church needs to understand that we are, are the family of God. And the models, and we can go and study the detail of that model in the Old Testament to see. You know, the Bible says it like this. I love this picture. Um, unless the Lord builds the house, they that build it, build it in vain. And unless the Lord keeps the city, they that watch over it, watch in vain. Psalm 127, verse 1. What I find to be very interesting with that scripture is that a portion of those words Jesus quoted in Matthew, 20, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was, it was in response to the statement that Peter made when Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Christ, the template for the church, the son of the living God. Very interesting words used here. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. If we go to Psalm 127, Unless, except the Lord build, the word build is bana, out of which we get the word ben. Ben means son. Uh, except the Lord build by having sons, the family, whatever we build is in vain. And then the second line is in the same verse. And if you don't build a family, 
your watching over the city is in vain. So to watch a city takes more than a prayer covering. You have to raise up firstly a family of sons who can go and stand in different places in the city through whatever their careers or vocations are. And where they stand, is, it becomes a prayer tower and they become a shield and a protection over the entire city. It, it can redefine spiritual warfare if we understand the fundamental principle of sons because what Jesus said in, in, in um, he said this in, in John chapter 1. He said, from now on, you will see that the, the epicenter of spiritual traffic will be the Son of Man. Angels will ascend and descend the Son of Man. And he was not just referring to himself, but to all the sons of God. Everything that will happen between heaven and earth will have to happen through a son. Hebrews chapter 1 backs that when it says, God who in sundry times and in diverse manners spoke to the fathers in the prophets. And I think some of our translations say through the prophets, in the prophets. So God's modus operandi is very simple. He doesn't talk to the prophets. He speaks to the fathers communicating through the prophets or in the prophets. But in these last days, which we know started at least from Acts chapter 2, God speaks in the Son in the sun. So the epicenter of whatever God does is his son. His plan is to work through his son, the corporate son, the corporate son, which is in Christ. So I believe that we are the building blocks of God's family is son, as not in male, but as in female and male. Okay, we are talking from a gender-free way, a gender-free sense. And we need to study the Old Testament model of how these people come together. I'm of the opinion that, that in a context like this, the city of, of um, uh, East London, you can have different flows, different frequencies, or different mantles of anointing that constitutes the 12. Because there's 12 gates to a city. There's 12 steps to the throne. There's no one church that's going to change anything. We need to understand which gate we occupy. Which, what is our mantle of anointing? What is the predominant grace upon our lives? And how does those 12 gates work together to protect the city? That's what. But those, th th and the 12 gates are occupied by sons. The sons. The, you know, we are the seed of Abraham. The seed of Christ. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. And so, my personal view is that there's only one family in a city made up of multiple family units. All of us, whether we need to know which, what is our mantle, what is our gate, what is the predominant grace upon us. But see ourselves as fathers. And some families will have a cluster around them. Automatically, if, for example, I'm using Mangaliso a lot because he's in front of me. <laughs> Let's say Mangaliso has about 20 churches relating to him. We automatically know he's a father. At least he's a head of father's households. That's how the Bible speaks about it in the Old Testament. So automatically, you know, you don't deal with 20 churches. You deal with Mangaliso, who represents 20 churches. Uh, we did a test. I was telling you about this at the table last night, but let me say it again. I believe, this is my personal conviction, it's not a derogatory view of things, but I want to say it. I believe fraternals don't work. 
The tunnels are politically constructed to create an ecu ecumenical view that the city is united. But you know we're stabbing each other in the back. And, and because we are so caught up with not wanting to offend somebody's theology. I suggested to the church in Peter Maritzburg that we dismantle the fraternal. We called our fraternal church in action. And I said to them, there are predominant graces here. We don't know who the fathers now sit here. And we can't go by who's got the largest church. Because then we're going to go by, by numbers. We have to go by the mantle of grace and anointing upon upon the fathers. But we'll never know who they are because a father has to have family or families. A father of a city must at least have families that are attracted to him, not by his teachings, but by the mantle of anointing that may express itself through teachings. So I said, if let's dismantle this. We'll meet once in two months as a collective. Let each man who thinks he's a father bring people around him. And if, and, and, and if he's called to evangelism or called to prayer or called to whatever, let him teach that. If I'm called to a certain apostolic way of doing things and people are attracted to me, let's create tables, many tables in the city. And let's test this to see who can really bring a people over a consistent period of time and continuously resource and feed and build a family. And then identify those heads of those tables and bring them together. And when those fathers are together, even if you've got hundreds of churches they represent, you don't have to bring the hundreds of churches. In those fathers, the representation principle works. In the one is the many. The many is in the one. So when he speaks, he's speaking for 20 churches. When she speaks, he's speaking for 50 churches. You bring them together, the church in the city is now manning the gates of the city. The city will get healed. But if we go for the democratic process of electing a chairman every two years, we're heading for trouble. Because then we're not recognizing grace because a man's gift makes room for him. And grace as a, a kind of a gravitational pull. People are attracted to grace. Grace has an elegance and a charm to it. And I'm not talking about charisma now. Um, that grace will bring people and say, fathers. Automatically it happens. And that's what I think should happen. And you know, if we can build a model like, let's say, in East London, or anywhere in this country. It can become a model that we can take to the rest of South Africa and show them how people can be fathered, protected, preserved. And then there'll be no more ambition. Because if you're a father, you're a father. You can't argue with that. If people are attracted to you, they're attracted to you. And they're not going to come to you unless they got something that's genuine yeah. from you. Yeah. I hope I've answered your question. It's a very difficult Thank you. Um, these two days, our eyes, many of us, have been opened. There have been quite controversial statements made, but that were revealing the truth. I'm left with just the one which I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable to be called a firstborn son. And uh, however, the the previous you know collective name that those that believe in Christ as God were called by which is Christians I was not uncomfortable with that not having known what I know now uh, about the originality of that name but 
I'd like to, 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 to say that it leaves me with some level of discomfort in that there is a tendency by different faiths that believe that Jesus is not God. And um, so he is deleted in as far as his position is, as, as God is concerned. Even when you want to be politically correct, the preference is to mention God in anything that has got to do with the Godship. So I'd like to know how, how do we, let me just ask the question, am I worried about nothing at all? Because if, 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 uh, Jesus, if I'm not recognized as one, if, if I'm not called by the name that recognizes me with the recognition of Jesus as Lord, and, and so that anybody can stand and call themselves a son, uh, coming from whatever faith, even those that don't believe that Jesus is God. So it would be the same in, in, in that way. Am I worried about nothing? I can't answer your question, but I can tell you what I think. Because I'm not sure what your internal position is. I believe that Christ, that Jesus, is the presentation of God on earth. He's the full representation of everything God is. In him, the fullness of deity was visibly presented. So, and Paul says that in the book of Colossians. And uh, so, in the body of, Christ, of Jesus, God presented himself to mankind, to humankind, as the prototype of how all future humankind, uh, uh, human beings who received that template should live by. So for me, Jesus is the pattern, the way, the order. Jesus said it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I want to paraphrase that. He, he could not say I am until he heard a voice at the River Jordan that said, this is my son. So he was saying, I, son, am the way. I, son, am the truth. I, son, am the life. Because later on, they said, show us the Father. And he said, if you saw me, you saw the Father. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is the absolute, the supreme example of God in flesh. So I believe he's God. He, was, he did not become a God. He was forever God. But in the flesh, he shows us how God incarnates, how God reveals himself. And... He becomes the exact representation of everything God is. That's my conviction. That's what I live by. And, but he, he shows that through, through a familial model where he shows us how God is expressed in what we call the sun. The sun. All of God is seen in the sun. So when others say I'm a son of God but they don't accept Christ as the model, then I can't accept it because he's the only example of how you can. That's, that's why there's no other way to God. Only to the model that is I, son. That's what God said. This is my son. Jesus said, now the kingdom has come. So that model is what we have to present to the world. And we can't present it by emulating another great prophet or a great teacher. Jesus is the only way. In other words, you can't get to the Father unless you're a son 
confined or consigned to that model called Jesus who presents it to us. And so that's the only way you don't need an appointment to get to God. You can run into his presence because sons don't need an appointment with their father. They have access to the immediate presence. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. And I think, the, yes, there's many teachings that tell you that Jesus is not the way, and many in the Christian church today, even in Pentecostal charismatic circles, it's been on, on CNN recently, some great preacher said that, and so forth. But I believe that Jesus is the only way. And he's the only pattern for how we should be living as the sons of God. Angelisa? Um, thank you, Thamu. Um, the, the summary, I think, of uh, what you covered, if I get it clearly, um, you helped us to understand the moves of God, the Pentecostal, the charismatic, and the apostolic. Um, of course, clearly done through tribes, using tribes of Israel to help us understand the picture. And you dealt with the Christocentric nature of Christ and that should be the emphasis of our message. The apostolic, um, you defined it yesterday and this morning. And my question is, um, apostolic people, apostolic company. Because I think that the emphasis is on the titles but I think there is, maybe it's a comment and a question, but I think there is a grace that um, God wants to bring forth. And um, your emphasis on, or your clarity giving on who is an apostle, that apostles are not, uh, you know, that you said there are only two types of apostles. I shouldn't say only, but you said there are two types of apostles. Um, Apostles that are made by people or church movements and apostles that are apostles by Christ. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I wonder whether that at all should even be our focus. I think that God is looking after a people. And I don't want people to think, okay, so we can never be apostolic. I think people need to separate between apostles and carrying the nature, the spirit of what apostles or the apostolic speaks of. Um, and maybe there should be more of an emphasis of helping the church understand that the, there is an assignment of being apostolic. We have been Pentecostal, for an example. We never said we are Pentecost. You know, there was no Pentecost. Uh, we have been charismatic and and therefore we need to be apostolic without necessarily saying we are apostles. And I think that for me, that is a door that we need to open for everybody to understand that there's an access. There's an access into a new, into a new way of doing things, a new way of seeing things, which is what you call Judah, you know, as you explain it through the tribes. Um, and I think that there is not enough of that emphasis. I think there's an emphasis on apostles, titles, apostolic moves, apostolic movements, apostolic you know, groups, 
but I don't think that there is enough teaching on helping ordinary believers understand how they can become apostolic. Because I think that for us to express the corporate son, ultimately Christ in the earth, we would have to understand how the apostolic, you know, what, how can I be apostolic or should I, or do I need, what do I need to do? Maybe the simple, what do I need to do to be apostolic? You know, what must I do to be apostolic? Can I be apostolic? Must I, uh, can I be apostolic without any apostle speaking over my life? Uh, can I be apostolic? I, is the apostolic, can I only be apostolic if I identify with an apostolic move? Or is this thing apostolic, something God is doing anyway, whether, there's a, whether there is a group of people that say they are apost apostles or apostolic or not? In other words, is it something I can tap into? Originally, as can I be a Baptist by, by, uh, by lineage and be apostolic? You know, or would I have to migrate from Pentecost to Charismatic and then, uh, you know, tap into being apostolic? So I don't know whether you understand my... I think uh, whenever you give a title to anything, it becomes exclusive and sometimes elitist. Um, every move of God is inclusive, all-inclusive. It's sovereign. Uh, by nature, maybe because God told Adam, you have the privilege of naming things, we'll name everything. And there's benefits in naming things because it, it creates distinctives to say, if you don't name it, people will just say, oh, well, it's no different to what we've been in. And sometimes you, we give a name to something just to create a distinctive or a point of reference. To be honest with you, I'd, I prefer not to even use the terminology apostolic, but you have to use it to help people understand that we're migrating to new levels in God. I believe that God is sovereignly working in the earth. And I believe that there are many, many people that may not be in the circles that we are in that are hearing God and are hearing Him clearly and are Frustrated maybe with where they are, but they want to move to new levels. As I said in the last session or the session before that, I said, I said that the apostolic has got nothing to do with the title of apostle. It's got to do with that which we're calling a biblically authentic uh, representation of God and his church in the earth. So when we say apostolic, it's got nothing to do with whether you attach yourself to an apostle or not. But how can we bring an authentic, biblical design of God in the earth that opens its doors for everybody from all the ends of the earth to come and say, yeah, we will find God. Yeah, so it's all inclusive. I believe that God's going to raise up people from all walks of life. I'm beginning to see right now, in, like for example, in Santon, Roman Catholics are coming. Uh, the other day I was in a forum where Anglican priests are studying this present season. Um, Pentecostals are, NGK church people are from a Calvinistic background. So different people are, like the, one of the key features of this present season is people are hungry for God, full stop. And they are sick and tired with institutionalized forms of religion. And yes, we don't want to be caught up in the titles, but also we must believe that God allows for, for sent ones to come and bring us to the water. He sends and, uh, you know, these are what I call apostles of Christ. They bring 
information. They bring revelation. They bring stuff out of the word. Because faith does not come by reading. If faith came by reading, faith came by reading, praise God. We don't have to hear preachers. But faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. There's a transaction that takes place when the sound of God in the voice of a man touches the spirit of another man. Something imparts. Uh, a lot of good things can come by, by reading. I mean, edification, information gathering, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you learn by reading. But the transaction, the spiritual transaction called faith comes by speaking. And how can they hear without a preacher? That's what the Bible says. And so we need these sent ones who stand on the mount of God, whose faith feet have been made beautiful. But these ones will never come with titles. They'll always come as a servant of the Lord seeking to bring all types of people into the house of God. But God forbid that we become elitist and exclusive and, uh, and so forth. But I really believe that God always uses a remnant. It was a small percentage of people that left Babylon to come back to Jerusalem. And that small percentage brought the whole nation, wherever they were scattered, into a breakthrough. And so sometimes God may use a small group of people to cross a river, come back into a desolate place, rebuild things, and then later others come in and enjoy the benefit. And history bears witness of how the few brought the many into so many blessings. Yeah. I hope I've answered your question. Yeah. But I don't think we should get caught up with titles. And, 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 but we must seek to reach everyone in the season. And I think we made, you know what I'm talking about here, we made fatal bl mistakes, blunders, colossal blunders in the past where we were too dictatorial and sometimes too, too speaking down at people when this move first started about 18 years ago. And now God's breaking that. And he's making us see that he loves the whole church, even though he may use a few to bring us in. Thank you very much, uh, Tom. I think it's important uh, at a certain stage that uh, we need to comment uh, on what uh, we have been listening to since yesterday. I think from my point of view is that uh, the teachings as from yesterday, even until today, some, they've helped, I don't want to say us, they've helped me to take me to a bit of judgment. Not necessarily, I'm saying judgment in inverted commas. And also, it has also, on the greater part, has given me the affirmation and confirmations. This is, uh, I think, my comment I'm having. And then lastly, you mentioned the mushrooming of ministries, I think, uh, during your, la your last session. Uh, not necessarily to ask you a question, but uh, I think uh, I want to take this, to throw it back to this uh, assembly. Uh, that as the servants of God, it means that uh, we've got a, a challenge or more work to do. Because those who are creating those mushrooms, some of them, they are coming from us. I'm not saying that is our own making. 
and I don't want here to say that to categorize its word, but uh, it shows that we've got a, a challenge, especially around giving birth to sons. I agree with you that uh, some of us were failed to produce sons. Because if there were sons, because those mushrooming, it's not a question that that son has been given a permission. It was a formal. That son decided to jump through the window to go and build his or her own shack. Maybe Simbiwe, not Jogo, can agree with me because he's busy with that challenge, Basano Jogo, of uh, eradicating informal settlement. He's part of the team in, in, in this country, especially in our part. So meaning that we've got a challenge as uh, the existing fathers that we need to produce sons so that we can stop this mushrooming. Because if your child, you say no to him or her, he decides to leave the house and build his or her own shack. Thank you. Yes. Do you mind if I sit while... I, I want to put a rider from the mentality of the sons who have jumped through the window. I, I think the message during the last two days was that uh, the problem we have is people who are building their own empires, who are not producing sons for God, but producing sons for them to be perpetual slaves, to serve them, if I may put it that way. That is why they jump through the window and uh, establish their own shacks. So, so therefore, I think we need to balance up that, that whilst we don't want mushrooming uh, 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 shacks, of shacks by the maybe sons who are rebellious, but the statement was that uh, fathers are not producing sons for God, but they are building empires. So how can we balance the two so that we have got fathers who may really produce sons and then release them? Because in our real life, your father will realize that, oh, if I don't release him, there's bound to be tension here. He has reached a stage now. And then you will son, I think you've reached a time now to, to, to go and establish your own shack. And he releases him with blessings and so on and give him all the support. Even if he is weak, he will support him to have confidence to stand, you know, uh, as, as a father for the future, if you might put it that way. If you can just uh, balance the two. I think one of the biggest problems we have in the church today is that because we do not understand that we are the family of God and that you can't, and, and we're a collective family, a corporate family, subdivided into micro units. But you can't be a family in isolation. You have to learn how to connect to the rest. And so what we need to do is eliminate the spirit of the Lone Ranger. Uh, because that's, that's basically what we have. We have this lone ranger mentality that I will build my empire 
and do God some favors. But to do that, we have to reteach the church that we're a family and we need each other. We need each other. We can't become isolated families. That's number one. Number two, we have to then raise up responsible fathering. And responsible fathering is not only how you take care of your family, your micro unit, but how you can become accountable to other fathers. Because when we create an accountable system, we will find that there will be less what I would call sheep stealing and using subtle diplomatic forms of encouraging people to jump ship. In, in the initial stages, when we encourage and start teaching on family and fathering, some will leave us because they'll have to go and find their father's house. But when they find their father's house and the, the dust settles, we will not see people sh jumping ship and moving around because there'll be an accountable system in every city, in, 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 in every region. And obviously, through that, we will see uh, a sense of, of honoring and respecting certain core values that we live by. But now it's not like that. It's about each man just do what he wants to and go for it. But I would say responsible fathering, producing accountable systems where we're accountable to each other. And then when we start teaching our people what the family is and how you get connected to grace and how that grace is there to mentor you, you can visit many churches, but this is your home. You can have a thousand, ten thousand instructors, but this is your father's house. You know, I had a very interesting incident, and these, these incidences are, are now educating me that I never understood then. My second son, I mean, he's quite a character. He just thinks out, outside of the box. If I say this is white, he'll say black, you know. And, um, and I corrected him on a certain behavioral pattern a few times. I said to him, son, if you don't, if you don't correct that behavior, I'm going to discipline you. And on many occasions, he wouldn't listen and do it again. So one day, I, I took out the rod, and I was not sparing. I used it. I used it on him, and um, he was not very happy with me. He cried a bit. He looked at me, and he said, you are no longer my father. He was about six years old. Uh, I'm going to find a new father. <laughs> I'm leaving this house today. And, you know, he... He just, he vented himself and his anger. And so with a little bit more wisdom on my shoulders, I didn't react. I felt sad that I had to correct him using the rod. And um, so I said to him, sure, um, you're most welcome to find another home and another father. Can I help you pack your things? Would you want me to take you to your new father's house? <laughs> and he said, he said, no, I'll find, I will go my, I mean, I will do, I'll pack my own bags. So I said, I'll give you three hours. <laughs> and then I'll take you to your new father's house. And so he closed the door. He was in his room for about three hours. I left him for another hour. And I eventually went into his room. And I knocked on the door. I went in and I said, I'm ready to take you. And, uh, I, and I said to him, I notice you haven't packed your bags. <laughs> and he said to me, I thought about it. <laughs> and he said, I'm sorry, but I realize you are my father. <laughs> and there's no other house I can go to. And I came to the conclusion that when we bring back divine order, 
not, not legalistic order, a divine order. And we start showing these people they belong to a family and give them love. They won't go to the next famous preacher. They will go listen to him, but never leave you for him. They'll stay in their homes because ultimately a house must be known for love. And in the midst of love, you'll get good food. Yeah. So I think we need to, if we teach this right, our people won't run around. Because it, running around means they're looking. They haven't found yet. They'll settle down. They'll really settle down. But also fathers need to become accountable. Because we can't be, we can't be throwing brothers into pits like, like Joseph's brothers did and hope to fulfill the divine purpose. Sam. Um, <coughs> thank you very much. First of all, let me appreciate the two days. And um, I was just speaking to my wife. I said, yesterday, even today, there was a time I felt like standing on top of the table, dance, shake my body, um, and jump and make noise. Because there are times uh, I know whereby if the word is being shared. Uh, I remember one gentleman in the Bible, he said it was like fire in my bones. And he could not contain. So there are times like that when the word is being shared, it becomes too much. So I feel like dancing and jumping. And we really appreciate because some of the things I'm not trying to I mean, to praise myself or trying to put myself on a uh, higher level or trying to be proud. But truly speaking, most of the things that you, you touched yesterday, even today, from the place where I'm coming from, we have begun to do them. We are a couple of pastors, and uh, every day we meet for prayer. We are in the same area. And uh, what we did was to meet each and every pastor in the area and talk to them, guys, why can't we come together? Maybe for a breakfast on a Monday. And then it did not work out. And then the second time was, let's begin a prayer. We come together as pastors once a week. But it ended up being every day to an extent that even though I'm tired, but when that time comes, I've got the energy. And we go. For example, yesterday after this program, you can imagine, I think everybody was tired. But I went for prayer to meet with other pastors because we committed ourselves that we meet every night between 9 and 10, and we speak to our father. So I was excited when we were sharing most of these things. And I've realized that there's joy, unity, and, and there's some other time, some, some one week ago, we, we, one other pastor went to the other person's church and he shared that one, then changed. We rotated. And find out we realize, yes, we have got different gifts and it's, it worked. I remember one of us, one of the, our friends was sharing that now. He's not, he does not have the teaching gift in him. But when the other one went and he taught, it was different. So really, I appreciate. And to me, that's why I wanted to come and talk about table, jump, dance. And, and the other thing is, when, when you look of at most of the things that you have shared and exactly and as we quote the scriptures and look at what is happening in our time, I, I, I think we just need you guys to come back and, and find 
the correct way that we may walk in. And remember, there's a scripture that says, so we need to come back, ask of the way, and then so that we can walk in it. Because for now, not everybody who's pastoring or leading an organization is a father. And, and even though we, we are here, but it does not make us to be fathers. So one has got, we have got to come back, rediscover who you are, and you have been doing things in your own way, which has made the church to be in, in shambles today, which is one thing that we are trying to, to address, that we come back and we regroup so that we can find the way, guys, that we walk in it. Now, when the, the, one of the gentlemen mentioned the issue even of past, I mean, sons and then the fathers, then how does it go about? But when, when you look, the sons that are jumping out of the window, they, they, they are not sons. We are saying sons, but they are not sons. And you are saying you're a father. You are not a father. They are jumping because you are not a father. Because we have got in ministries, pastors that have become celebrity. They have no time to identify uh, sons and train and teach them. So in other words, there is no, you are not a father. They are jumping up because they are desiring and they this thing that they need a father. So others are jumping out because the father is not there. The father is busy with his own mushroom stuff and is not busy, I mean, I mean, bring up the sons for tomorrow. Like for example, I was sharing with one brother here. I said, look at the Look at the, uh, at the government. Let's take South Africa, for example. Look at the government. Uh, I'm not being political, but everything that they are doing, it's about comrade. It's not about looking at tomorrow. When I say that, is the issue is, when we know that tomorrow, we still have got people that are supposed to be leaders. So behind the president, he is 60. It's just an example. If the president is 60, we cannot have a 55-year-old behind the president. Let's have a 30-year-old. There's a 35 behind the president because we are talking about tomorrow. And in other words, we are bringing up sons that are saying, tomorrow after me, this thing has got to carry on. But just to comment. And, and the other issue is there are so many irregularities. And from the point of view, from what you've shared, so many irregularities in, in, in the church. And church is no longer church. And truly, it has become a business. And you find out that some people that you are calling pastors and men of God, they are not. Because when you come to check on the issue of pastors, there are three types. There's a many-made. There's, there's, there's a self-appointed. Then there's God-appointed. Now, the, the, for us to be able, we need to go to a place whereby we'll be able to discern uh, and, and to see which one is the real and which was not. In other words, I think there are some churches that need to close down. Sorry for that. But the last question. I just want to say, guys, how do we address, address this issue whereby when, when, when we look today as a church and the way things are being done and everything else, how, and we are in, let, let's take South Africa, for example. We have got issue of rights. We have got rights. And, and even in the church, as children of God, we still talk about rights because even after teaching you realize rights are coming up how do you address because i think there ought to be a disconnection and a connection how do you address that one those riots like boycotting and demonstrations human, human oh human rights okay 
you know, we've been taught that the church should be a voice in society. It should, be a, it should conscientize society. It should be a light to the world, a salt. And, you know, I'm, again, of the opinion that the church has to become apolitical so you can speak into every situation and can confront, like, like how John the Baptist stood at the gate of the palace of Herod. We need to be able, with all the wisdom and the grace, to address the issues and the wrongs of society. Uh, but that's gonna the, the only way we can have a strong voice is when we see the church come together. We're doing it in fragmented and denominational statements, but not as a church of Jesus Christ in the country. Unless God brings us together and starts to create, and that's why people like what Tom is trying to do now uh, is going to help, because we're trying to create an apolitical thing to present or conscientize our government about uh, how we can bring the, a righteous representation of a given matter. Um, in our daily affairs here on the earth. But uh, I, w I don't have all the answers for that. Because, you know, it's not going to be to create another SACC or something. It has to be something else, something that can speak without being liberal and, and so forth. We need to bring back God's righteousness because ex righteousness exalts a nation. Somebody there and then yeah. But I'll defer that to all the people that understand politics better and the kingdom of God. <laughs> Thank you. An imagery kept on coming to my mind it begins from a picture of what we normally call a Father's Day. A picture of kids coming from a preschool walking around with a card written, I love you, Daddy, but not, know, not knowing exactly to whom this card should be given to. And they are looking around for a daddy. So the question is around how do we give kind of assistance to people who literally want to get connected to a daddy? And uh, maybe um, a writer on that. Some people do live around and uh, could be captured up with the concept of fatherhood and sonhood and so on. But they themselves have never been born. Uh, I don't know if this makes sense. But there are people who could definitely want to become a father. But they themselves have never had a father on themselves. I mean... If you have never been born, can you give birth to anyone? I mean, if you, have never, if you have never had your own father, can you become a father to anyone? I mean, without having experience being a son to somebody, can you have a son of your own, something like that? Yeah. You know, the harsh reality is that a large percentage of us that have come into the Church of Jesus Christ have been fatherless. We've had overseers and pastors and superintendents and moderators over us, but we were not really fathered. I personally think that I came out of a fatherless generation. Even though I've had, you know, good parenting and good people around me, but many of them never understood fathering. They could only lead you the way they understood. What I, I'm of the personal opinion is that our born-again experience when one is truly born again, the first thing that happens to him is that he receives the Spirit, which cries out, Abba, Father. The first thing, our security lies not in that we may not have sufficient fathers around us. Our security lies in the fact that God is our Father. 
But religion tries to feed the spirit of the orphan, teaching you how you have to be successful by using the principles of God's word without bringing you into an intimate personal relationship with God. Uh, I was tested, and I, you know, I'm, with my three years in Bible college, next year will be, we'll enter, we'll conclude 29 years of ministry. We'll go into our 30th year. I can safely tell you, without contradiction, that I only came to understand God as my father two years ago. And I'm teaching this message in the apostolic circles for at least 18 years now. I only came to know God as my father, personally, intimately. Because when you get to know God as your father, you stop trying to please him. You can't please him. You just simply know he loves you unconditionally and he'll care for you. That, that's something that I came to, it's personal. Believe me when I tell you, the toughest decision I had to make was to leave everything I built for over 18 years. Literally walk away from it. Only on a word that God is my father. And I heard his voice, he'll take care of me. And that is a house that's worth millions, a ministry that's got multiple properties on it, we, I mean, large volumes of money pass through it in different forms. And God said, divest yourself because your security lies in my presence, not in assets. And I will provide for you. You just obey me. I came to realize what it means to be a son of God. You see, Revelation chapter 13 speaks about the mark of the beast, 666. And we can politicize the number and we can have many theories. Uh, on that number and we've, many books have been written and some people have become very rich but that number in my estimate is very simple it just means that your spirit soul and body gets humanized with this idea that I am a man I survive for myself the number six is, is, a, is a humanistic number it speaks about man I'm a man in my spirit soul and body I survive I work I make things happen I if I don't work nothing will happen. If I don't provide for myself, if I don't earn, nothing will happen. That's the number 666. What we miss is chapter 14, verse 1. The 144,000, which is a multiple of 12, which is a picture of an apostolic community who says, I refuse to have this number that tells me how to trade and sell, how to survive in this Babylonian system. I have on my forehead the name Father and Son. God is my Father. I am his son. I obey him. He takes care of me. I don't try to make things happen. He will make it happen when I need to. That, when we get to the place of seeing God as our father and rest in the knowledge that he's our father, I can tell you, it's like you peel off layers and layers and layers of trying to, to succeed. You literally discover that even though you've been accepted Jesus as your savior, you're still an orphan until you come to that discovery. Do you know how many grown people in the Lord are still orphans? It's about, and the prosperity message teaches you how to perpetuate the culture of orphan. So to get, give a watch to get a watch, sew a car to get more. Put your miracle and money in the post, your miracle will come. You know. I mean, it, it feeds the spirit of orphan because you think God does not love you. God does not care. And I discovered that you, we cannot talk about the domestic side 
of father and son until you have the divine side of father and son. Until you know God is your father and you become his child. And you become like a vulnerable little baby in daddy's lap. We're not going to be able to move to this next level. And most of us are fatherless in that context. And then secondly, when that love comes upon us, we automatically become fathers, being as secure with those sons of us, and we don't treat them badly. Yeah. And that's how it's going to happen. It's going to take a divine intervention to fix the maladministrations in God's kingdom right now. And I'm telling you, this next season, this present season that we're entering into, it's not about faith. It's not about hope. It's about love the more excellent way of ministry. But you have to discover the love of the Father to know how to administrate it to others that will come under us. And security will come in it. Uh, thank you. Uh, I think my question has been partly uh, answered because what I was going to to ask uh, was this, uh, the one of the key statements that were highlighted uh, uh, in these sessions uh, is the issue of producing sons. Now, what I want to know, because we will leave this place having that in mind that we've got to produce sons, but is there any way, is there any uh, uh, mechanical ways, standard ways, any procedures of how, go how, of how are we supposed to be uh, to be doing that? Because we leave this place with that, and then we will use different ways, maybe, of producing sons? Maybe is there any way of unpacking? That's a very good question. I don't believe that we can produce sons per se. Let me explain that. Uh, uh, for example, you can have multiple relations with your wife, but you'll never know when the moment would take place when a child will be conceived. Am I correct? None of us have that power. It's God's grace that produces the children that we want. And uh, that point is highlighted in the, in the scriptures through the patriarchs. Most of the, their spouses were barren, and it took the hand of God to produce a child. So none of us can create sons, produce sons, and so forth. And we can't even determine the number of sons. N you know, the unique thing is we can't even choose our gender. That's determined by God or by the genetics the, uh, in the womb, God's orchestrations. None of us can determine when we'll be born or where we'll be born or what color we'll be born. Or that's all God. In fact, not even our parents can choose us. Maybe that's the reason why every child that is born cries first because it doesn't like what it's born into. <laughs> but the point is, the sons that God gives us is determined by God and not us. That's the first thing. We can't, it's not like you can go and say, fill this form and become my son. No way. I, I mean, I've got a good few hundred now all over the world that I father. But there's no way I've asked one person to become my son. Not one person. They would, the spirit of God will rise up within them and cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Papa, Father. The earthly, the heavenly, earthly, the two dimensions. Like how Elisha cried, Abba, Father, my Father, my Father. So the cry has to come from within the spirit of a man where he says, my Father. You can't recruit them. That's the first thing. Secondly, I learned raising my three boys. 
You can't teach children how to become sons. You don't teach children how to become sons. I can't remember up to today presenting a constitution or statement of faith or code of conduct to my kids. They were born in our family. They just imbibe the environment they are in. They learn through impartations and through emulations. Children become the best imitators of their parents. The best. They emulate the parents. I mean, I've got one of my boys, the other day Dr. Sam Solon was with us, and he said, your son is the most exact representation of you. I said, what do you mean? Because my, my youngest son lives in Peter Maritzburg. He's finishing his studies there. And Dr. Sam went to speak in Peter Maritzburg. And my son lives in the house where he was going to be with some meals were prepared for Dr. Sam. And this boy did everything I would do. Make sure that Sam has something to drink. Make sure he's comfortable. Check whether he needs uh, anything else to eat and take care of his shoes and whatever. And Sam said, I've not seen such an elegant representation of you. And I said, Sam, you know, the, ironic, uh, the irony is I've not asked him to do that. He's just studied me. I didn't teach him. You don't teach sons. This thing about 27 steps of being a son is absolute hogwash. You, you can create disciples, but you can't produce sons. Sons are raised in an environment that you create. Create love. Teach the word with humility. Create a culture of hospitality. Be disciplined. Be orderly. Create an environment of rectitude and see how your sons become everything. I never ever taught my kids not to listen to worldly music, but I've never heard them play it in my house because they know it's, it's a rule. That kind of music is not allowed in the house. They, they tithe, they first fruit, they give offerings. They, my, my son the other day, just as I was coming here, he comes with an envelope. He says, Dad, you're my, not my natural father only, you're my spiritual father. And this is the first fruit of this new year. I'd like to leave it with you. Would you pray with me? I mean, I've never told them to do that. He puts it in my hands. I would take it and give it to the poor. Because I would not touch such a holy offering for my son to give it to me. But the point is, these children learn these things. I learned now. I stopped teaching on finance in my church, in Santon or in Maritzburg. We don't even spend 10 minutes. We don't talk offerings. I found that with the head is right. The oil will flow to the hem of the garment. Automatically, people will start tithing and giving without teaching. Yes, there will be times when you teach them with the finer details. It just happens. Literally, why? You, you don't raise sons. You don't produce sons. When they come to you, they get infected with what you have. The DNA of the father is transferred to them, spiritually speaking. It happens naturally. So please, I wouldn't suggest that... Teach them what the church is. It's a family. Teach them God wants to raise up sons. But like when I went and planted the church in, in Santon, I knew that people were coming from all over, from caves, from shacks. They were literally, I'm speaking spiritually, I mean, prophecies and doctors and whatever. They were waiting for something. And when they came to us, I realized they're not my sons. So I said to them, I need you from the beginning. Day one, this is what I said to them. I said, God told me to come and plant a family that will become a gate, a portal, to Africa, the nations of the world. And I'm planting this family. 
And I want you to know that I'm planting a family, not another apostolic church. You know those words. I'm planting a family. It's going to be called Gate for legal purposes. And by virtue of the definition of our vision, we're a gate through which God is going to operate. And I want you to know, secondly, that if I'm planting a family, the family can't be headed by an apostle. It's going to be headed by a father. I'm, and I said to them, I'm not being modest, but God told me to come and plant it, so I presume I'm the father. But I said, thirdly, I don't expect you to be my sons. Because that can't happen overnight. I, ex I expect you to come and drink from our pool and we'll treat you. In a great house, I said to them, you have sons, you have servants, you have slaves, you have uncles, you have aunties, and guests, visitors. I said, you will come here and be treated equally. But I am only asking you for one favor, one, one principle that you must honor. And that is, I'm not your father, but I'm of the father of this house. Please live by my rules. Live by the rules, the culture, the values we have. Don't, I may not be your father, but receive me as the father of this house. And you can get all the benefits. So that's what I will say to you. Don't go and ask everyone to be your son. Just say to them, we're raising a family. I'm going to change my leadership structure from pastor to father. I'm here to show love and make sure there's always food on your table. That's the job of a father. And to guide you and to help you and create a warm environment. And eventually they'll come and say, you my daddy. You my father. That's the way we should do it. Yeah. Just one more. Um, the new apostolic reformation, for a lack of a better word, once again, we're naming things. Okay. If we want to call it whatever we want to call it. You've been too long in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I listened to your presentation yesterday and today, I find almost line upon line similarities of the tribe I belong to in the apostolic. And I'm okay, maybe with the differences here and there. My question then is, um, are the leaders of you know, uh, these movements, and again, or people who are hearing this sound, yourself and many others, is there a forum for them to come together, compare notes, and say, are we hearing the same thing? Because, you know, when God brings a season, people, because they're in different frequencies, people are beginning to hear, and they're beginning to hear there's a certain sound. Uh, maybe privately, they are listening to each other. Um, but is there a way by which uh, they are able to listen to each other corporately, compare notes, and trying to find the mind of God? What is God saying? Are we hearing correctly, you know, to avoid an issue of one person coming out and say, I have the truth. Mm. Are we hearing the same sound? Um, so that, because for example, the next question will now be, after we've heard what we've heard, I don't know how we are all personally interacting with it. Some of, them, some of us are hearing it for the first time, and maybe it's sending all kinds of shock waves in our system. Because what happens, the message of the apostolic it pulls the carpet underneath your feet initially when you hear it. And you don't know what to do. Your whole foundation is shaking. You're not sure what you're going to say tomorrow morning. It's Sunday. Now, um, to help everybody ultimately arrive to this one place, uh, is there a comparison of notes? Is there a study? Are, 
are we other fathers who are studying the pattern and trying to bring out the same at least may not it may not be exact but it would be accurate an mm. accurate presentation mm. of what god is doing together yeah you know on in on some circle on, on some platforms there is a coming together uh, we have met on a few occasions with people that are heading international streams but on a very small level and we would sit for three days and listen to each other's doctrines and uh, agree to disagree and see whether what is being presented is is genuine that's happening but not on the level that it should happen i believe and i'm speaking futuristically now but not in the but not in the not so distant future i believe god's going to create a spiritual collegiate not not like an, a, you know, a new spiritual senate or something, but a collegiate where certain people will emerge that God will give, that, will, that God will highlight, where people will meet and at least, like Paul, submit their doctrine and say, what do you think about this? I believe that that collegiate will come to pass. I know, for example, our family, after I redefined my relationships recently, we are now pursuing every legitimate, what we, what we know to be genuine, uh, or what we are attracted to. We're pursuing relationships so that we can at least learn how to glean from others. Because no one group has it all. We need each other. But we need, as you said, to find the sound. You know, it's the sound of many waters. One sound, many waters. So different, I was at uh, the Iguazu Falls many years ago. Uh, I was in Argentina during a conference and I went to the Iguazu Falls. It's 2.7 kilometers of waterfalls made up of about, I think, 265 or 270 different cascading waterfalls. But when you get this, uh, it's almost this, uh, this merging of sounds. You, while there's so many different sounds, you're hearing one sound. But as you listen, you, s you hear the distinctives in each sound. It's one of the most beautiful um, uh, presentation of the sound, the sound of many waters. And I believe that if we're going to see a river flow into the earth, it's going to be the multiple streams that make glad. The river that flows through the city. And so, so I believe that even in our country, we'll start to see people come together. And we used to do this in our conference center in Albert Falls in Peter Maritzburg. Bring in key laid leaders for three days and sit and pound out things. But uh, obviously, we need to do it on a global scale, not just regional and just certain countries. And there are certain people God's raising that are hidden that's going to come out now that God will use in the season. Just the brother there. Uh, so, sorry. So we got another five minutes and we have to stop. Okay. Is that okay? This is just my, my last one. It's a quick one. Um, can, can I deliberately ask the, the question? Um, it's a good thing for the church to come together in correcting the ills of the country and um, especially the spiritual ones. But if tomorrow you were to be demoted and you became the president of South Africa, how would you um, try and satisfy 
the different and diversified South Africa spiritually without compromising your own beliefs spiritually. Thank God I'm not a politician. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I just believe that you have to stand for your convictions. You have to. And it may not please everybody, but you have to stand for what you believe is righteousness. Uh, Daniel in, 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 in Babylon teaches us that you can't bow your knee to a system that you've not called to worship. Neither can you eat the diet or the philosophical views of that system. And that's tough. Uh, sometimes you have to burn or get eaten. That's a threat. But you have to stand for what you believe in. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I can give you a better answer. I can't. We got Pastor Yeah and then Dr. Evan. Yeah and then there. And that's the last one, I think. Um, I just I'm asking this question based on what my uh, pastor has just said now. That we we have heard, you know, we we have heard since yesterday up until today. And I want to believe that what he said that the carpet has been pulled, you know. And, and foundations are shaking and all that. But guys, I always have got this problem because we cannot just sit and hear and go back, you know, and still continue to do the same thing. But since I believe our coming together, it is divine. And, and no matter how we happen to be in this house, I believe it's divine. And it's not a mistake. So I want to ask a question to everybody who is here, that what is the way forward? Because my brother, uh, say you're gonna go back to to job then what is the way forward are we gonna just go back and everybody's on sake and wait that believing that one day god is gonna raise somebody or we are saying we need to do something we who are here we have it yeah i think it's very important for the fathers and people that are respected in this forum to to make those decisions we, I'm just here from another province, another state, region, and um, I'm here to present to you a perspective of what God is saying. Now, the fathers here, you as leaders, need to judge this thing, and I think there's a database here already where you can communicate with each other and uh, deliberate. If you want to have me come again and sit with you, I would gladly do that. Um, if you want to study our teachings further, which I think will be the noble thing to do, the Berean uh, Jews, they didn't just listen to Paul, but they went and searched the scriptures to see what he's saying was true before they joined and followed his teachings. Uh, so I think that will be important to do. Our website is free. All our messages are on it. You can download it and listen to them. And it, it's got links to the flows, at least, that I know of, that, that we relate to. You can go and study their teachings. But uh, it's very important that the fathers of this region come together to strategize on how you're going to change the spiritual landscape here and how you're going to work together. But that's something I can't prescribe. Uh, it's something that must come from within you. I'm only coming as a messenger just at least to stimulate discussion in these areas. Uh, what I want to do, uh, want to say is, one of the things we'll be launching in the next three months is a global online platform, a media platform. It'll be like a like a media resource center, where we're trying to collect 
all the teachings of the different streams in the apostolic and put them together and, um, and see whether people then can see, wow, this, this is coming from Argentina and this is from Africa and America. And then they can read the different books on any given subject and then judge what is of God and not. I'm not saying everything is legitimate on that stream, uh, on that platform, but at least it will give people a chance to assess what is genuine from what is not. That will happen in the near future. Uh, I'll turn my uh, questions into comments, but firstly, maybe slip in a, a vote of thanks. If uh, I want to say, you know, every time I have the privilege of hearing you, uh, Tamo, uh, I see a growing grace and a mellowness, and uh, I thank God for what God's doing, and even with this last uh, bit of information of setting up this global apostolic uh, platform, it's excellent. I wanted to just follow up on, on two things that you said. One, one was that, you know, looking at the paradigm in the Old Testament of the tribes, etc., and uh, perhaps suggesting some, some way that uh, the word you used, oikos, in especially Luke and Acts, you know, where it predominates, um, the author, guided by the Holy Spirit, juxtaposes oikos with naos. Naos is the temple and talks about how, uh, how uh, insolvent and how bankrupt it is. And it's, it's, it's uh, in some way uh, epitaph of what's happening in the church, the bankruptcy, and where the, the, the concept of oikos radicalizes and brings everything to what we would, we would call the biblical paradigm. And I see that as a, a tremendous possibility of exploring more. And you focused on, on, the, on the fatherhood. And just my comment on that, you know, when we talk about sons of God within any religious paradigm, it's talking about something very deeply profound. My grandmother, who was a Hindu, when I went to uh, the Holy Land and I came back, I bought my son some rosaries. So there were uh, these two handsome teenagers with their polo necks and with the rosary. And she said, you know, they must not be naughty because they're holding the cross. And in some way, I, I want to throw this as a, you know, positionally we're saying now we, we, we want to move, we want to migrate from being called Christians, which was a nickname that was just with a suffix at, attached to it, Christ Christianoi. Now we're saying we're sons of God. So there's an imperative that we're now saying we don't have this nominal relationship from the outside, Amen. but we're saying we are the sons of God. And at another forum in Durban, I said, hey, that's a big claim. That means, you know, we must eat and, and like the Jews, you know, every day meditate on the word of God. And we must say, with the help of God, we want to emulate that. Because now it's no more lips, it's life. And if the main modality for giving birth to sons is through emulation, it's through impartation, it's through not what is caught, not what is taught, but what is caught. So there's a big responsibility, I think, with those that flow in the different streams of the apostolic. And one of the challenges that you, you've, you know, the subtext of what you've said this morning, the little that I've caught, is that people are building their own dynasties. And if we see it across the, the, the oceans, you know, uh, um, you know the names. It's father, son. It's a father passes the mantle and building a dynasty within the church. 
And for me, the litmus test of the apostolic is when we take non-biological sons and we say, God has given you, given you the mantle to continue this ministry. And, and we need to think differently in, 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 uh, as Einstein, and maybe I'll close, he says, if you do the same thing and expect different results, it must be insanity. So we've got to reprogram our, our mind to thinking, how can I take someone who is my non-biological son and say, you've got the grace that God's given on me and now do apostolic succession, not like the Pope where you have those cardinals, but in a different way. But I could end up preaching. But thank you again so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was my lecture. You can see where I got my Greek from. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to every one of you. It's been a pleasure, a great honor to share the word of the Lord with you. And you've made it so easy by receiving it in such a humble way. Thank you. And I pray that this region, which has been devastated by poverty, will be transformed by the of a, emergence of a church here. This is an amazing region in our country. <laughs> and I think you can play a big role in changing its landscape. God bless you.